This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's in Crest Hill, Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, and by The Barrel Club in Oak Lawn. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, friends, to this edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago, and with me, as always, is the one and only pride and joy of Homewood, Illinois. It's Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score and the Locked on Blackhawks podcast. Jay, we just podcasted a few days ago, but it seems like we have like two hours worth of stuff to talk about. And I don't know how the heck we're going to get through all of this. We're going to get through it. There is quite a bit to discuss. And uh, first of all, let me just say uh, the Seahawks got screwed and there was no way that was a first down. Now that that's been established. Yes, let's get to the Blackhawks conversation. There's a lot to get to. You and I basically just did a show off the air, but let's save it for on the air. But a couple things we're going to get to um, include Robin Leonard's comments on his next contract, the on fleekness of Kubalik. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and uh, a lot of other stuff. Some of the line combinations, the way the Hawks have come out in games lately and a whole lot more. But before we get to that, I want to tell you how to get in touch with the podcast. Follow us on Twitter at MadhousePod. You can send us an email, MadhousePod at Gmail. We are also on Instagram at madhouse underscore pod. I promise I will start to update that more. But I will tell you, the most recent photo is that of a Cochinita Pabil plate at Chuck's. So it's not that bad. It almost Uh, (laughs) should just be the profile picture of the podcast. (laughs) Really, it should be. And if you want to, uh, what else? Oh, yeah, make sure you rate the podcast five stars. That's very helpful. You need leave us a nice review and, of course, subscribe so uh, you are notified every time a new Madhouse podcast pops up. Any podcast you like, give it that five-star rating. Give it the subscription. Leave a review. That's the best way, aside from financially, to help a podcast that you love. Yeah, I mean, that's. I'm glad that you uh, got all of that out of the way right off the bat. Please do follow us. We, we love all of you. Please give us them five stars. We need it. Um, it'll, it'll give us some joy in a world in which the – Packers are one game away from the Super Bowl and the Cardinals might get Nolan Arenado and 
Ugh. the Bears didn't draft Patrick Mahomes. Uh, and All right, stop. Oh, oh, and Anthony Davis was at the Packers game wearing a Packers jersey today. I'm guessing he's not coming to Chicago this yeah, summer. Yikes. Let's get to the things that make us happy. Yeah, like, the... like Dominic Kubelik, <laughs> for instance. Let's talk about him. All right, yes. The goal-scoring machine who, by the way, I cannot believe did not get a hat trick in Saturday's win over the Ducks. I felt really bad for him. He wanted it, and then he just kind of gripped the stick a little bit too tight, and he couldn't wow. quite find the right spot on the ice to shoot. You know what? Pecorino made it look real easy the other night. I don't know why Kubelik <laughs> couldn't hit the empty net, but I digress. Yes. It's a, look, it's not that hard of a goalie can do it. You can do it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, See, that's what I'm saying. On fleet Kubelik, I'm going to keep going with that. Has, yeah, I think you're going to make all of our uh, listeners wretch and potentially lose their uh, their lunch or dinner or whatever you're eating while you listen to this podcast, I suppose. Well, he's got 13 points in his last 11 games. He's got eight points in his last five games. That includes five goals in his last five games. Yep. Uh, really now tied for the lead in uh, rookie goal scoring in the NHL. Do you know who he's tied with? Victor Olofsson. That up, boy. I'm who has been? That you knew that. He's Good been, job. He's been hurt for a while, so it's. Uh... Shut up. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to sell Kubelik short, but Olofsson has not played uh, in in over a week. So. Oh, okay. Well, I guess it's not that impressive then. You're right. It, it is impressive. That's great. I'm, I'm very happy for him, and he's been awesome lately. And, excuse me, that was gross. I think the um, main reason, uh, and I know you want to get into this, is the fact that he's playing on the top six where he belongs. But the other thing, and this Anaheim game was a good example, he's finding out that to score at this level, you've got to go get in front of the net, fight for rebounds, find the puck and scoring close. And the, the two goals he scored against Anaheim, that's what he did. He found mm-hmm. his way to the front of the net, and the puck was there, and he was there to put it home. I don't care how skilled of a player you are, unless you're Alex Ovechkin or Patrick Kane or one of those guys that's going to end up with a bust in uh, Toronto, or I guess it's a plaque in Toronto, <laughs> most of the goals you score are going to come in that area. And now that Kublik has sort of figured that out and has adapted his game that way, he's getting the results and hopefully it remains. This is what we thought we were going to get, or at least hoped we were going to get, when we got those nice glimpses of him in the preseason. He looked like a dude who could score at this level. And it's starting to show 16 goals is nothing to sneeze at. He's had a really, really good season, and uh, I'm very encouraged by that. And the only the only thing that's kind of like a little bit disconcerting about it is how are they going to afford him? We have plenty of time to think about that. Mm. But 16 goals is good for what? Second on the team, I believe, right? I believe that's correct. I believe he's only behind uh, Patrick Kane at this point. Yeah, Kane has 24. Kubelik has 16. Taves, Dabrinkit, Saad all have 11. So, yeah. Speaking of guys who haven't played in a while, Brandon Saad, everybody. Yeah, how about that? Mm. Oh, boy. And he and well, he's, in, he's also – Saad is in, like, every trade rumor ever now, too. Yeah, I know. That's And that's something else we can get into. God, we literally have, like, two hours worth of freaking topics today. Like, it's such a, like, huge hill we're going to have to climb. But you know what? We're doing it for the people, Jay. We're doing it for our audience. I like it. So let's start with something. Like, obviously, you've pretty much gone through the laundry list of stuff that Kubelik is doing right. The getting to the front of the net, the showcasing his really quick hands, the good nose that he has with the puck right now. He's been really getting into good open spots, even outside of that area, right by the blue paint, too. Like, he's creating 
opportunities just by u- utilizing his on ice vision, which is something that we haven't seen a lot of lately. We haven't seen a lot of like creativity on the part of the Blackhawks. It's been a lot of pass, 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 pass. And then they kind of forget the whole shooting part of the game. So <laughs> yes. it's been good to see Kubelik kind of uh, driving the offense a little bit and getting into those open areas. And we saw in the third period last night something that I think really does warrant further discussion which was the line combination that Colleton rolled out in the third period last night, which saw Kubelik skating with a couple of guys named Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane. And it seemed like it worked really well. And obviously you've seen, you saw the results from Kubelik last night. You saw the opportunities that that line created when they were together, but there's always a, but with Jeremy Colleton, <sighs> he said, he's not going to do this all the time. Let us pull out the quote. They're going to continue to play together at times. I'm not going to commit to playing them together all the time. When we don't spread it out, it's problematic for playing a four-line game, and we can't expect them to outscore the other team by two or three every night. Okay. I will say that Jeremy Colleton has a little bit of a point with this just because of the fact this team is missing Dylan Strom and Brandon Saad. You do have to be careful to not overly load up a line, but... The fact is, is that when you are at home and you can dictate the matchups way more than you can when you're on the road, why the heck aren't you just loading that lineup whenever you get an opportunity to do so? I don't understand why John Quenville was getting top line minutes last night. I don't understand why Jeremy Colleton continuously tries to force Alex Nylander and Patrick Kane on the eyeballs of Blackhawk fans like myself. I don't get it. Go ahead, load up that line, let it score, profit. I don't understand why he was not doing this on a four-game homestand, and now you're going to be heading out on the road, and you definitely won't be able to do it now. It just is, it's mind-boggling to me that Jeremy Colleton refuses to see the simple logic of this. Well, look, I get in a normal circumstance that you don't want to spread out your talent, right, and you want to have four lines that can play. You've got so many damn guys injured that – even if you do, air quotes, spread out the talent, you don't have any. <laughs> like, you know, like, okay, well, I'm going to put John Quenville in the first line and Alex Newland in the fourth line. Neither guy is producing a damn thing, so it doesn't matter. At this point, without Shaw, without Strom, without Sod, you're better off just loading up that top line. Just load them up and hopefully they produce a goal or two every game and then your, one of your other three lines can can have a decent shift here or there and, and add some points of their own, maybe a score and a power play, and, and there you go. Because that line, those three, not a lot of teams are going to be able to stop that. Not a lot of teams are going to be able to match up with a team that with a line that good. And I think that we've gone and I've gone on my other podcast too long without singing the praises of how well Jonathan Taves has played lately. He's been really, really good. In all ends of the ice. And with him playing the way he's playing, with Patrick King continuing to play the way he's played over the last, uh, what, 10 years, 12 years, whatever it is, <laughs> you know, that's that line is it, there. Everything's clicking. And I get it. I get in an ideal world not wanting to overload one line. Joel Quenville never did it. Patrick King and Jonathan Taves have not played together all the time throughout their career. And I, I get the idea and I get the concept, but right now you are so banged up 
that you almost have to do it. By the way, Jonathan Taves, seven points in his last five games. I I get the idea behind it, the wanting to spread the talent out. But if that's going to come at the expense of having to watch Patrick Kane and Alex Nylander, I'm more than willing to make that sacrifice. Like, yeah, that's I, not the, working. The line with him and with those two and Ryan Carpenter, I oh my have been one of the few people who have not been hugely critical of Ryan Carpenter this season, especially at even strength. I thought he had a decent game last night, but putting those three together, it just offends me on a very deep level. They do not work together at all. Oh. No, and here the thing with Nylander, and this has been my knock on him all season, is while he has the ability, the mental part of the game isn't there yet. And I'm not saying he's dumb, but you can see he's hesitant. He's afraid to make a mistake. You cannot play with Patrick Kane when you are that kind of a player. You've got to be ready. You've got to be confident. You've got to have your stick on the ice ready for anything. And I don't know. If Alex Nylander has calmed his brain down enough to handle playing with a player that good. Jonathan Taves is a different thing. Jonathan Taves is a, is a very good, Hall of Fame, legendary, predictable player. You know what he's going to do when he has the puck. Yeah, now and again he's going to wow you and make a play you don't expect him to make. But Patrick Kane is as unpredictable with the puck as any player I've ever seen in my life. And to be his line mate... I don't care who you are. It's a challenge. You've got to be ready at all times for him. And we've seen sometimes where playing with him can be difficult for some players because of how far ahead of everybody he is offensively and offensively in his mind. Neander and him are a terrible pair. Yeah, they're both skilled. That's true. Aside from that, I think that is a toxic mix. That like I don't I do not want Neander with him. Nylander's got to play a simple game to be effective. And Patrick Kane does not allow for his line mates to play a simple game. It just doesn't work. You are absolutely correct about that. And I'm really hoping that uh, we've seen the last of that. But knowing Jeremy Colleton, I don't think that we've seen the last of that. So we're going to go ahead and I think we should uh, talk about another little bit of forward news here, which is the sending down of John Quenville and what that could potentially mean for the Blackhawks. But Jay... You know what I think it's time for? Hmm. I need I need to hear about triple threat sports, oh. man. Well, do you have a corporation or a team that needs outfitting? Just say yes. Yeah, of course, always. Well, you should take your team slash organization and go to Triple Threat Sports. They will hook you up with awesome swag. Your polos slash jerseys will look amazing in the uh, conference room slash ice slash diamond. Your business cards will look great. I don't actually don't know what they make business cards. Scrap that. But your hats, your logo, you need help designing a logo for your company? Sure you do. Hit up Chris at Triple Threat Sports. Email him, Chris at TripleThreatSports.com, or give him a call, 708-478-6090. And if you're just looking for a Hawks jersey with, uh, you know, Jonathan Taves on the back or Dominic Kubelik on the back, Triple Threat Sports can get you hooked up there as well. Triple Threat Sports, if you can wear it, they can make it. Beautiful. I loved it. Thanks. Loved every minute of it. Thanks, I, I want more. Anyway, um, we we should talk about the fact that John Quenville did get sent down after his first little um, skeleton cup of coffee, I guess, with the Blackhawks. Uh, played, what was it, nine games, I believe, with Chicago and did not uh, no didn't play altogether great. He didn't have any goals, didn't have any assists. 
wasn't the most thrilling thing I've ever seen in my life. What did you think of the John Quenville experiment? I thought he played a simple enough game. Um, nine games, like you mentioned, uh, zero points. He was a minus one. He had 14 shots on goal. Um, I didn't think he sucked, but I think he's a, 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 on a good team. He is a emergency injury call-up, and that's mm. kind of what he was at this point, right? Um, but again, that's the thing. Like You put him on the top line, like, why? I guess you just sort of say, we don't really have anyone else to do it at the moment, so we'll put him there. And again, I think he was okay. There were some moments that he had near scoring chances, and he made some nice plays. He's willing to play not a bone-crushingly physical game. He's not the next Scott Stevens or anything like that. But he's willing to go into a corner and win a puck. He plays a nice, simple game. I never need to see him in the top six again. Yeah, please, Um, no. Yeah, but I, I mean... You can never have too many guys like that who can come up and just fit in and give you a shift where they're not going to hurt you. Also um, was on the second power play unit, by the way. Again, this is out of necessity, though. But I am very happy. Here's what I'll tell you about John Quenville. I'm very happy Drake Kajula is back. <laughs> <laughs> That's the biggest compliment you can give him right now is that you're just happy that Drake Kajula is healthy. I, You know what? Let's let's be frank here. I am also happy about that. He went through a lot to get back, oh, and he yeah. definitely talked about the fact that he didn't think that he was going to be able to play again this season. I'm really happy that he's able to be back out on the ice just it, for that alone. And the way he plays is something they sort of need. Is a guy who will play that north and south game. He's got some scoring ability. He'll finish a check. Uh, he's kind of like Andrew Shaw light a little bit, Drake Kajula, and Saturday, he made his first game of the year against Nashville, but Saturday especially, he was really, really, uh, not first game of the year, but first game back from injury, but against Anaheim, he was really displaying what Drake Kajula is. Lots of scoring looks, you know, shots on goal, physical. I liked his game a lot against Anaheim, and hopefully it sort of continues in that direction as year goes on. And you're right, he went through a ton to get back. And it went for a while, like, oh, you know, we're not going to – this guy might not uh, <laughs> he might not ever play again. It kind of had yeah. that feeling, um, but glad to see him back. His two games back, uh, minus one in both games, but um, four shots on goal in those two games. And just taking the body, playing a simple game, I really like Kajua's game. I think he's a really complimentary depth player, but he's the kind of guy – that in a pinch you could put on the top six and he'll exactly fit in. Exactly what I was about to say. Yeah, that that's yeah. that's the, that's where I, why I like Kajula. He is like I said, almost like Andrew Shaw, where you can play him in any situation and he'll do a fine job. There is one other thing I did want to bring up with the Quenville uh, demotion. I I'm glad you brought up Drake Kajula because I don't think we talked enough about how great it was to see him back. Obviously, you and I have not podcasted together since he made his return, but it definitely was worth mentioning. The other thing I did want to kind of run by you to kind of see what you thought about it with Quenville going down. They have not announced a corresponding roster move yet. There is a guy in Rockford that I kind of hope they call up and give him a look. And that's Brandon Hagel, who is leading the ice hogs this season with 13 goals. He has eight assists on the year in 36 games. So Having a pretty solid season scoring-wise, last year with the Red Deer Rebels in the WHL, he had 102 points in 66 games. Like, he he definitely has some scoring touch, and at this point, with Dylan Strome and Brandon Saad still out of the mix, I kind of want the Blackhawks to give Brandon Hagel a look. What would you think of that if that ends up being the uh, corresponding move? 
I'm down with that. They have 13 forwards and seven defensemen now, as it is, so they don't necessarily need to call someone up. Um, but I want them to. Uh. <laughs> but if they do, hell yeah. I mean, look, there's not a lot of guys in Rockford right now that excite me as far as the future goes. Um, you mentioned Hagel's stats. I've kind of liked Mackenzie Entwistle since I've seen him. Mm. He was the other part of the Hosa deal. Isn't that right? I believe that is correct. I, I think that's right. Um, or was that the Jalmerson deal? Maybe it was the Jalmerson. It doesn't matter. What about matter. the Nick Schmaltz deal? No, it wasn't that one. I'm almost certain it wasn't that <laughs> There's one. There's too many deals with the Coyotes. Yeah, I know. Man. You can't even keep up with it. Um, the Richard Panic deal? Nope, it was the Hosa deal. It was okay. the Hosa deal. Just looked it up. Um, but I've liked what I've seen from him in Prospects Camp and in some preseason games. That's a guy I wouldn't mind giving a look to. But aside from that, like, there's really no one. I can't remember a time in Hawks history where there's been no top prospects in Rockford. It's because they're all already here. No, I know. I know. Yeah, I mean, Adam Boquist is here. Kirby Doc is here. Nicholas Bodan is probably the closest thing. He was a first-round pick the same year as Boquist. I did not get a chance, by the way, to see the uh, – trying to remember. Somebody did an interview with him. I think it was maybe Ben Pope. Yeah, I think Did it a was. story on him. Did you get a chance to read that? I read the headline. Does that count? Uh, yeah, that's more than pretty much what I did. I add that to my list of homework. And by the way, if you're not following Ben Pope on Twitter, you definitely should. He's yep. uh, been a really good addition to the Blackhawks beat. And I really – I like his insights during games. So uh, follow him, please. Uh, the other prospect that's exciting is not signed yet. That's uh, Ian Mitchell. And if uh. you if you read Scott Powers' uh, piece that he published on the 11th, it was actually Powers and Lazarus. They made 10 predictions for 2020. Um, I believe it was Powers who said that he thinks that Ian Mitchell will sign and play for the Hawks this season. But if they re- if Denver reaches the Final Four, that will go beyond the regular season. So they're currently rated number five. They started the season number one, um, but they've fallen off a little bit recently. But if they reach the final four, that will go pa- the frozen four. That I was will- going to say, please call it by its proper. I'm sorry. Yes, that'll go past the uh, NHL regular season. But if they're out in the regional, he'll have time to sign and play a game or two, which isn't that exciting. But that's Ian Mitchell is the top prospect that is not currently a Blackhawk. And uh, but again, if he plays this year, it's only going to be for a game or two until the playoffs begin. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, Evan Barrett's playing pretty well at Penn State too, isn't he? Yeah, I think that's. Pro- would you call him maybe the next to Mitchell, the next prospect? I would probably say that's accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy, it's not. They really need Boquist and Doc to be stars. Well, I mean, I. You know what? Let's talk a little bit about Adam Boquist because why not? It's our show. It is. What our have show. you thought about Adam Boquist as of late? I like that he has started to. Um, I, I think taking chances is the wrong thing to say because it sounds risky, but he's feeling more confident offensively. You're seeing him instead of just sort of either dumping the puck in or giving it to a veteran and saying you handle things. You're seeing him start to engage the offense, and you'll remember, Madhouse podcast listeners, that last year. When we were talking about Henry Yokoharu, there was almost no offensive game to speak of because he was so hellbent on just sort of hanging on and surviving defensively. And Yokoharu, by the way, is not the offensive prospect that Boquist is. That's that's for sure. Um, but it's good to see Boquist has sort of cleared that hurdle now where he will start to put some shots on net, 
trying to make a move around a defending player. Uh, I like the the way his offense has looked lately, and his defense hasn't really been bad all year. Of course, there have been moments mm-hmm. where your heart jumps out of your chest, but overall, I think he's been pretty fine defensively. And now, if the offense starts to come around, I I, I like what it's going to be, and I'm very encouraged. I think that Bocos is going to be a really good player for a long time. I don't know if he's the next Nick Lidstrom by any means, but if he could be a Johnny Oduya type or somebody like that, um, that would be good. I think he's got some more offensive upside than that as well. Um, right. The, the other thing is I like the way he looks in the power play when he's sort of that solo point man. Uh, I like that. I like that he's the, the full quarterback back there on the point. Um, so I like that Cowton's giving him more chances, giving him more trust. He's got him paired with Duncan Keith. There was a piece in the Tribune on Sunday about Keith's Keith and Boquist's relationship on and off the ice. That was really interesting. So there's some more homework for the listeners, but very <laughs> encouraged by what I've seen from Boquist lately. Still makes me feel so freaking old that Adam Boquist is almost half Duncan Keith's age. Oh my god! When I saw him, I interviewed him at Prospects Camp. We played the uh, we played the interview in the off season here, mm-hmm. and I I saw him in person, like face to face. This is a child. This is a a teenager. Like th- this guy is, he should be in high school, right? Nineteen. I don't know. I don't know. Ages. Oh come on, he should be in college. I don't man. know stuff. Let's not Shut go up. Crazy here. You know by now I don't know stuff. <laughs> you, you did you use should... Kubalik on fleeks, so that definitely set the tone for uh, all of this. Well, it shows how with it I am. We had a softball practice today. We had the winter workouts, which we do, and uh, they're like hit the whoa, and I'm like what. And the girls like hit the well, Coach Jay. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what that is. And I saw all of them, all thirty girls, just roll their eyes at once. I'm like, damn it, <laughs> I don't know what something cool is. I don't know. Did Do you know what that is? Hit the woe. Did you ever find out what it was? It's some sort of. It's like a dab. It's similar to a dab. But are you aware of this? It's. I thought it was like a. Wasn't it like a TikTok thing? Oh man. Like wasn't it one of those like dance like challenges on TikTok? I honestly. If you did it right now, I would not be able to tell you what it was. We are so – our fingers are on the pulse of things. That's <laughs> we really why are. we're hockey podcast. All right, I'm looking up the woe. What is the woe? This is compelling podcast <laughs> right here. Uh, I don't understand. I, I want to know stuff. I want to be cool. I think our – I, I think do our... not want to be cool. I, I wear cardigan sweaters, and I occasionally smoke from a pipe. I am not cool. Okay, all the all the definitions here say – I don't know. I don't know. I'll figure it out. By next week, we'll have an update <laughs> on. The, yeah, more homework for Jay. <laughs> yeah. If any young listeners can tell us what the woe is, we'd appreciate it. Uh, but we'll instead of telling you about the woe, we'll tell you about some amazing food at the Barrel Club in Oakland, 4910 West 111th Street. Uh, once again, went with the ribeye steak. Very pleased with my choice, and I believe it will be my choice every time I'm there. But we've told you about the really high-end, delicious, classy meals they have at the Barrel Club. The food there is tremendous, a great date night place in the South Burbs. You don't have to go downtown for a downtown-style meal. But if you're driving around Oak Lawn and you got time for lunch, stop into the Barrel Club and get one of their appetizers for lunch. It's a meal. The Barrel Nuggets, the homemade meatballs, the pierogies, super affordable, super delicious. Have a beer, have a cocktail on your break. You've deserved it. You earned it. Check out the Barrel Club in Oakland, 4910 West 111th Street. Whatever your dining needs are, they will be met at the Barrel Club. You'll love it. Join their Spirit of the Month Club 
at BarrelClubIllinois.com. That uh, Apple Pie Moonshine bottle is nearly empty. Going to need to get a new one soon. They gave us a little bit of it to try at our event in December, and boy, howdy, that was a dangerously delightful concoction. Yeah, there's far too little left in my bottle. I'm going to have to go get a refill. (laughs) (laughs) Is that something that they do? Do they have like a gas pump in the back and (laughs) they just fill her up? Absolutely. uh, Just just top me off. Just just (laughs) turn the spigot there and top me off. No, they do not do that. By the way, Uh, did you see the news story about the, uh, where was this? Somebody had like an illegal gas station just in their backyard. They like tapped into a gas line. <laughs> <laughs> and there's like they said there was a like a hose long. It was in Vegas, of course. There was, so there was like a hose long enough to walk out to the street. Pretty incredible. I need That's that for the barrel awesome. club. Yeah, that I almost would have thought that was a Florida man thing. <laughs> yeah, well, it should be. But uh, yeah, that, that's the sort of thing they need a barrel club. They need the apple pie moonshine hose. See, now we're providing some good ideas. And you know what? I bet they're going to hear this idea. And you know what they're going to say? We are no whoa. longer sponsors of your podcast. No, they're going to say, whoa, man. Oh, God. Yep. That's, All right. that's it. All right. Uh, <laughs> if you're going to stick around and we please ask you, God, to stick around, we're going to talk what about some Robin Leonard action? Yes, Robin uh, Leonard news. We're going to talk about Jeremy Colleton's moral stance on morning skates and uh, yeah. a whole lot more. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, please stick around with me. Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast rolls on. Hot flashes, irritability, intimate dryness, even unsatisfying sex. Hi, I'm Dr. Alyssa Dweck, a board-certified OBGYN who has spent over 20 years helping women just like you safely find relief from these very natural symptoms without having to resort to hormones. To help my patients feel their best, I recommend products from Bonafide Health. Bonafide is a women's health company dedicated to providing women with non-hormonal and clinically validated products that work. Bonafide provides safe and effective solutions to manage a range of menopausal, sexual health, and PMS-related symptoms. That's why I recommend Bonafide products to my patients every day. In fact, I am also a Bonafide medical advisor. What I like most is that Bonafide products provide women real relief without compromise. Ladies, don't waste another minute feeling less than your best. Go to HelloBonafide.com and use code RADIO39 to save 20%. That's HelloBonafide.com and code RADIO39. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Offer valid on subscription only. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Jay Zawoski with you here in Homewood. James Neveau out in Bourbon A, home of the world's best beat-ups, but... If you've got a Chuck Southern Coverage Cafe next to that B-Dubs, you will never go to that B-Dubs. You'll get yourself some killer wings at Chuck's. They call them the Chicago Wings because they're big. They're bad. They're meaty. They're delicious. Check out that. Their burgers are great. Everything on the menu is tremendous. And what's great about Chuck's is there's something for everybody. If you want to go basic, you want to get some chicken tenders or a burger, whatever, you're going to have some of the best chicken tenders and one of the best burgers you've ever had at Chuck's. You're feeling something Cajun. You want to get the jambalaya. Absolutely amazing. Terrific. The best I've ever had. And I mean that it's the best jambalaya I've had. And I've been to New Orleans and I've had it there. And Chuck's is better. It's tremendous. The Mexican food is awesome as well. We mentioned the coach Anita Pabil uh, near the intro of the show. That is my favorite meal in the world. Uh, You're going to want to go there on Saturday and try that. But just go to Chuck's, and if you go there, explore the menu. First time, try something barbecue. Second time, try the Mexican. Every time, you're going to find something new that you love. Their soups are great, but make sure you save dessert for those cobblers. My favorite is the mixed berry cobbler. 
They are delicious. You're not going to want to miss it. Chuck's Cafe, chuckscafe.com. They are in Burbank and Darien. Check them out. And when you go to any of these places, make sure you let them know the Madhouse Podcast sent you. James, before the break, you mentioned Robin Leonard. Uh, played awesome against Anaheim. Said he felt a little weird in the first period, but the game started coming back to him a little bit, and he was tremendous in the third period. Probably made five or six A-plus style saves. But the other day was asked about, you know, hey, would you take a pay cut to stay in Chicago? And he said, thanks for asking, but hell no. I have this exact quote here, and I will go (laughs) ahead and I will share it with our lovely listeners who have been sitting through all of our chicanery and nonsense so far in this episode. I've taken discounts my whole life. I'm not a guy that wants to be overpaid either. I want to gain some respect that I think I deserve, and we'll see if that happens or not. That is also, uh, he also mentioned during his uh, press availability the other day that the goalie market is very thin this year and that there's a lot of teams that need goalies. So basically what I'm hearing him say is pay up or else I'm going to go somewhere else. Well, and that's what what he should say. say, I'm going to say two things about this. One, he deserves it. And two, if the Blackhawks are not willing to go to that, like say 8 million or more that he's going to command, you got to at least explore trading him at the trade deadline. Yep. I agree. I mean, what else What else is there to say? If you have no intention of signing Robin Leonard at the end of the season, I'm not saying sign him now. We've, I think we talked about this before, that it would be a bad thing to send that signal to Corey Crawford and be like, hey, by the way, you're gone at yeah, the you, end of the season. You almost can't do that. Yeah, you really probably don't want to do that. So I think that the best way to handle that would be to, if you're not going to be interested in signing him, you can talk to him in April about a contract and it'll be fine. But for right now, if you are not serious about signing him to an extension and giving him that money that he deserves, just trade him. You will get pretty good assets. I would think even though Robin Leonard is going to be a rental, he's having a hell of a season and he could really make a big difference for a team. That's kind of in the middle of that playoff pack. You give them a really good starting goaltender that team goes from pretty good to serious contender very quickly in today's NHL. Yeah, you're totally right about that. So I'm looking at Cap Friendly here, which is, of course, the resource for all things hockey contracts, capfriendly.com. And I've got the – well, I actually have all the NHL uh, goalie deals in front of me. Robin Leonard is currently, as everyone knows, on a one-year deal for $5 million. That's his cap hit. So listening to his comments, he considers himself underpaid, which I believe is accurate. If we're looking at cap hits here, the top cap hit in the league is Carey Price, 31 years old, $10.5 million. Okay? The second highest paid goalie in hockey is Sergei Bobrovsky, $10 million bucks with Florida. By the way, got that on the free agent market, Correct. which is important to add that distinction. Henrik Lundqvist makes 8.5. Rask and Fleury make 7. John Gibson makes 6.5. Connor Hellebuck makes 6.1, Braden Holpe 6.1, Corey Crawford 6, Corey Schneider 6, Jonathan Quick 5.8. I think you're going to find Leonard somewhere in the 6 to 6.5 frame. Do you really think it's going to be that low? I do. With the cap going up and with how well he's played this season and the dearth of options that there are going to be on the goaltender market, 
I could see him getting north of seven and probably closer to seven and a half or eight. Boy, I mean, you might be right. I mean, if that happened, it wouldn't shock me. Here's here's why I'm trying to I'm just trying to think of this logically. He is only 28 years old. That's a big pl- uh, that's a big part of it. It is, and most of the guys I mentioned, with the exception of Holtby, who's 29, Hellebuck, who's 26, and Gibson, who's only 25. Boy, it feels like he's been around forever. He's only 25. <laughs> that's kind of wild, right? Yeah. Um, the only thing that would hold me back, not me, I'd sign him for whatever the hell he wants. I love the guy, but. If I'm a team, I say, you know, you've never been truly a full-time starter. Mm. He's always split time. It was with Grice last year in New York, and this year, obviously, with Corey Crawford in Chicago. There's no doubt in my mind that he can be a guy who plays 40-plus games, 50-plus games, and hangs in there. I have no doubt about that. But he just hasn't done it yet. But you know what? The more I think about this, the more I think you're probably right. You're looking at I think you're looking at seven at least. It's just the market to me, the market and age. I think that that kind of conspires to pay him north of seven million dollars. Now, the way that the Blackhawks have to approach this question is, are you willing to give him that two, potentially two and a half million dollar a year uptick in salary and then have Colin Delia or uh, why am I? Am I blanking on Finn Finn Boy's name? Kevin Lankinen. Thank you, Finn <laughs> Kevin Lankinen. If are you content having one of those guys be your backup goaltender next season? I think so. I, I think I am. I mean, I, I liked what I saw from Delia. He's obviously not an everyday starter. Lankinen seems to be the real deal when you talk about goaltending prospects, and they come along slower. Yep. But he's been on a on a very fast trajectory. Uh, as far as his development goes, here's the thing. Let me ask you this. If you're talking about selling a player at the deadline, you're not going to get as much for him. Obviously. But could you trade Corey Crawford and then immediately sign Leonard? Like, if you know, if we, if they, the Hawks said to Robin Leonard, we'll sign you, you know, three years, $7 million today. And he's like, cool, let's do it. And they're like, we can't announce it until we move Crawford. Mm. If you could move Crawford, like, would you take less back? in the trade, right, to guarantee that Leonard returns? I guess that's sort of the question. Hmm. I think it's an interesting question. I mean, obviously, you you don't have to worry about the salary cap implications of anything until next season. The thing I wonder about, though, is if the Blackhawks are already going to go to the place where they wouldn't sign Leonard to an extension until after the season out of respect to Corey Crawford, would they really trade the guy that won two Stanley Cups? Would they really trade him at the deadline for probably like a fourth round pick? I don't know. Do you, okay, let me let me rephrase that. Do you think that's all they would get for Crawford, or do you think they would get a little bit more than that? Um, I think you'd probably get more for that. The I mean, only I, thing the only thing I think of with him is the injury concern. Obviously, that's nothing else really to me is a red flag with Crawford. The money doesn't matter at this point. The fact that he's a rental is known. I just I don't know like what would the return justify getting that deal done immediately instead of waiting until like April fifteenth. It's tough. It's just it's hard to I don't know. It's hard to predict. And like the question is, do you trust Stan Bowman to get the ultimate return? And and the answer to that's no. <laughs> so maybe if we're talking about uh. you know 
if we're talking about a, a another GM who's got a little bit better of a trade history lately, you you, you feel better about it. Well, I don't think you're exactly going to get a bumper crop of prospects in return for Corey Crawford if you bring some other hotshot GM in here. I think that his market is probably pretty tepid considering his age and injury history and the fact that he's a rental player. I'm looking back at the 2014 trade deadline. No, it's a long time ago. That is a long time ago. I'm getting too old to remember that. Uh, Ilya Brzezgala was traded from Edmonton for a fourth fourth round pick he was an impending free agent yeah okay um i don't know i this is tough this is where i don't envy stan bowman's job <laughs> and i know like people listen to us because we have opinions but here's what here's one thing that that makes me say you know what screw it trade leonard get the most you can I don't think Robin Leonard's the kind of guy who's going to say, screw you, you traded me, I'm not signing with you. I think he totally understands the business end of the of the league. And if the Hawks did trade him to solidify a Stanley Cup team, sure, they're taking the risk that he just signs with that team right away, right? Yeah, you are really taking that risk because then you don't control his negotiating rights and, and then you have to go into free agency and bid against everyone else. Whereas if you keep him, you have two and a half months to negotiate before that free agency day hits. Yes, but he had from for all from all from what Leonard sounded like the other day, it sounds like he's going to take the time to listen to offers, right? And see what he can do, see what he can make. Like he said, he's taken less his entire career. The time has come for him to ch- to cash in, right? So I think he should. He's had a good experience here. And like I said, I don't think he would hold it against the Blackhawks at all if they moved him at the deadline. I don't think it would put them behind the eight ball of any other team if they were to do that. I really don't think so. So you want them to Araldis Chapman him is what you're saying. Yeah, kind of like the Yankees did. Exactly. They traded Chapman to the Cubs and Chapman almost said, I think he did say, like when it happened, like, oh, I'll be back in New York next year or something like that. He said something very close to that after that deal was made. So if it's if it's Crawford, I could see Crawford being salty about it because mm-hmm. and, and maybe rightfully so, right? Because of what he's accomplished here. I tweeted the other day, he's what? Second all-time in save percentage, third all-time in goals against. He's got incredible statistics for the Blackhawks. And he's like second all-time in wins, first all-time in playoff wins. This guy is a franchise pillar in mm-hmm. goal and deserves probably a little more than that. So I don't know. I, I think probably the best thing to do to sort of talking through it with you here is if the Hawks are out of it, trade Leonard at the, at the deadline, maximize the return. I, look, I would consider trading both of them, to be honest with you. Um, but trade Leonard at the deadline, you'll get more return for him than Crawford for sure. And then take your chances in the offseason with him. The problem is if you lose him, you're kind of screwed. You don't really yeah, have another you have to option. Have a reasonable expectation that you're going to be able to re-sign him if you're not going to trade him at the deadline. And I think the Which, fact that- I think you and I obviously agree that the Blackhawks are not they should not be approaching the deadline as a serious buyer. That's just not where they're at right now. No, and I, look, even if they have a little hot streak and they get close to things, let's be they they've got to be realistic. And I the other part of this is tough because I want Sam Bowman has to feel like if we don't make the playoffs. I'm fired, right? Yeah. And my fear is he's going to 
make some trade to try to improve the team in the now to save his job, and it's not going to work, and they're going to be without a prospect we like, whoever it might be, and the Hawks are still going to miss the playoffs, and here we are, right? Someone has to look at this team from a cerebral, analytical place and not from their heart. And I don't know Peter, if I trust Peter Sam Bowman to do that. First act is oh, GM. Oh, you stop with that. <laughs> you and your Peter. I'm going to beep it every time you say it. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough. Peter Chiarelli, first act, hire Peter Labulette. Second act, re-sign Robin Leonard. By the way, did you see that uh, Ray Shero got fired by the Devils today? Yep. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'd probably rather have Ray Shero than Peter Chiarelli. Yeah, yes, you think? <laughs> okay, but to be fair here, he did completely ruin the Devils. Well, a little well, bit. Yeah, pretty much he did. Yeah, but, but yeah, let's bring him on board. Why the hell not? You know what? And then we can hire Mike Babcock and really go crazy. Oh God, jeez, oh, that was one of my. That was a bad take by me. That was like the first time in my career I've been like, I have a strong thought about this, and it's this. And everyone's like, Shut up, you're stupid. And I'm like, <laughs> Am I really stupid? They're like, Yes, you're actually stupid on this. And I said, Okay, people told me I'm stupid, and I'm stupid, and I will wear it. <laughs> You know what? If that's really the first hot take that you've ever been revealed to be stupid, I think you're ahead of well, the game. Well, people, let's be clear. People have called me stupid many, many times, but people that know stuff were calling me stupid this time. Mm. And people I trust and people whose opinions I respect were calling me stupid. And I was like, oh, well, I, maybe I should reevaluate my stupid position. You know what you don't have a stupid position on? I'm going to guess Marishka's. That is correct. You are the king of the segue, my friend. <laughs> Oh, boy. Joe texted me the other day. Joe Zadralovich. There, I said it good. There, right off the top of my head. Yeah, that, that was way, the way to go, James DeVoe. I mean, Jay Zawaski. <laughs> he was very impressed with the Oakland area, which is where I grew up. He was at Richards High School for some reason. He's like, oh, I'm in uh, tropical Oakland. I'm like, yeah, enjoy. Um, but anyway, <laughs> go visit our friends at Marishka's in Crest Hill, 604 Theodore Street. They are family-owned and operated since 1933. The poor boy. Go there. Try the poor boy. It should almost be required if it's your first time at Marishka's, you have to have that. You walk in, yes, first time? Okay, here's the menu. And it's just a sheet of paper that says poor boy on it. <laughs> and that's what you have to have. If you've been to Marishka's before, though, get something else with your poor boy. <laughs> Maybe get James's favorite item, the Yodel oh, Burger. The Yodel Burger. Or the, oh. the Mountain of Onion Rings. Or the Twice Baked Potatoes. So many great options at Marishka's. Everything's great. Go to Marishka's.com. Check out their menu. Facebook.com slash Marishka's. They're closed only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. So head on out to Crest Hill and visit our friend Joe and his great family at Marishka's. I am overdue. I will be out there soon. As soon as things in my personal life settle down, <sighs> my dad's been sick and it sucks and I'm ugh, I'm just done. I'm done, James. I'm done. Yeah, I, I understand that completely, buddy. And I'm I'm glad to hear that he's at least doing somewhat better. And it allows you to focus on having uh, bad takes about Mike Babcock <laughs> instead you. of far more important things. Like Peter Chiarelli, Blackhawks general manager. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm rooting for this to happen. I'm just saying that can't you see it? No. Yes. No, I, I can't. Can, which I don't like. It's not going to happen. I keep telling you the next GM of the Blackhawks will be Al McIsaac. And no one will be excited about it. 
and nothing will change. You know what? I'd rather be not excited about Al McIsaac than dreading Peter Chiarelli. That's true. That's true. But the hire will garner very little reaction, and very little will change. So mm. there, set your expectations. It's exciting. <laughs> wow, that's such an adult nihilist thing to do, man. Isn't it? Nihilism yeah. is exhausting. I learned that in the Big Lebowski. Speaking of exhausting, let's talk about morning skates. Yes, I, I love this uh, from Boy Wonder, Jeremy Cowan. Why don't you lay out the plan for everybody? <sighs> Jeremy Colleton. I love your resigned sigh. It, in his, all right, Jay, please correct me if I have this wrong, because I think that my brain may have gone cross-eyed somehow when it read this, just because it was trying to like preserve itself. Okay. He said in order for the Blackhawks to get off to good starts in games, he wants the team to be fresh. And so he's making morning skates optional. Yep. Did I get that right? Did yes, I, you got did it I right. sum that up properly? Mm-hmm. This team, for all of its hideous lack of effort at times this season, sure gets a lot of optional practices that it sure doesn't feel like they've earned. I may be crazy, but if I'm a coach and my team routinely is not busting their hump in games and they're getting off to slow starts, the one thing I'm not thinking to myself is maybe I should reward these guys with some more time off. I don't know, man. What do you think about it's this? It's bizarre. Off base here? The, the point of the morning skate throughout history was to get the lactic acid out of your legs in the morning, get you ready to be more competitive when the game rolls around. The morning skate is an advantageous thing for the team. It's, it's an early morning workout. No one, like, walks into a football stadium and just, like, well, let's just go on the field and start playing. No. They get there early. They work out. They run. They stretch. They do all the things. And, yeah, those things happen before a hockey game, too. But, come on, man. Th this reeks to me as, like, trying to curry favor with the players a little bit. Be my friend, guys. Right. Come look, on. Look what I'm doing for you. Aren't I cool? Aren't I nice? Do look, I took my glasses off. I'm not a geek anymore. What's great about this story, by the way, is the Daily Herald, the John Dietz story. The picture they chose uh, for the story, it looks like Jeremy Cowton standing on the bench yawning like he's too tired. <laughs> he's, a, he's all tuckered out. He's a sleepy guy. I love newspapers, man. Oh, my God. The the morning edition and the late edition of the Sun-Times the other day when they captured that coyote, another example of newspapers being completely hilarious. It's, yes, we live in the biggest small town in the country. We really do. It's like, well, there's a coyote. Yeehaw, come on. This is Chicago. Do we need to cover this breathlessly? The limping coyote? Oh, my God. I get the sense that this is a critique aimed at a certain news station that I may or may not work for. It's not just you, buddy. It's not just NBC Chicago. I promise okay. you. It was everybody. Yeah. It, uh, it really was breathless, too, because we did have a reporter sending out live videos of the chase. Right. The country is, is burning, uh, literally and figuratively. And a coyote gate is the top story. I don't want to lose sight of this Cowan thing, though. Okay, yeah, please. Let's get away from the coyote yes. and let's get back to college. The reason this bothers me so much is how many times have we seen this season where the Hawks have a tremendous opportunity to get back into the race? Let's rewind all the way back to the last time this happened, Thursday, when they played the Nashville Predators at home, who had three days prior fired their head coach 
who had two day two days prior lost six to two on home ice to the Boston Bruins. That was a team ready to have their ass kicked. They're ready to lose again, and the Hawks came out and sucked for the first 40, 45 minutes of that game. Finally turned it on and almost came back before only em- to have the goalie score on them. At only, the end. Yes, to have two empty netters scored against them. The last of which was scored by Pecorine. And it's like, wow, what a courageous come. No, screw that. If they hadn't played like ass for 45 minutes, they wouldn't have needed to come back. But alas, they played like ass. That should be a slogan for this year. It's like alas, the new- they played like ass. That's I'm not a- giving them a pass. <laughs> That's the new one goal. Alas, they played like ass. Chicago Blackhawks. Come up with a new slogan. See, we accomplish a lot on this show. But why are they getting? Why is Cowan giving them a reward when effort has been a question in a lot of games recently? Look, the Detroit game is another good example. They were down two nothing in that game and needed to come back against one of the worst teams in the history of the sport. Yeah. Detroit Doesn't it give you such joy to say that about the Detroit Red Let's Wings. Let's refresh people on the Red Wings, shall we? Oh, they God. are <laughs> <laughs> I love to. I got to do this every now and again. They are 12 31 and 3. They have 27 points on the season. The Blackhawks, who are considered below average, are 20 20 and 6 with a with 46 points. The Hawks are 19 points better than the Red Wings. Get a load of this. Their goal differential, they've played 46 games. Their goal differential is minus 75. For context, the Blackhawks, who have a bad defense, there's no question about that, are a minus 16. The second worst team in hockey in goal differential is the New Jersey Devils. They're minus 36. Detroit is minus 75. They Jay, are. Can you, can you do me a favor? <laughs> Run that Devils one by me one more time. The Devils, who are the second worst goal differential in hockey, are a minus 36 in goal differential. They that... beat the Blackhawks 7 to 1. Yes. If you don't know what goal differential is, by the way, it's. It is goals scored versus goals allowed. So they have allowed 36 more goals than they've scored. Detroit. Their, their goal differential would be minus 42 if it hadn't been for that 7-1 drubbing of the Blackhawks. Yes, and it would still be over 30 points better than Detroit at minus 75. Uh, minus 75. They have scored. You know the Blackhawks have a top 10 penalty kill in the NHL? I do. The Red Wings. Uh, sorry, have... <laughs> I wanted to bring up just something positive. There's a lot of negative going on right now. Well, we're man. we're ripping the Red Wings, which is fun for people. Uh, Fair point. They have finally scored 100 goals on the season. Get the balloons out. Woo! They just got there. Anaheim has 115. LA has 118. Wow. 121 for Dallas, which is crazy. But they've only allowed 107. Which is completely antithetical to what Dallas usually does. Yes. That Detroit is horrific and got out to a 2 nothing lead on the Hawks and were dominating stretches of that game. Ugh. So we're rewarding the Blackhawks with, hey, man, optional morning skate, dude, whatever. Hey, I'm the cool coach. Look at me. I'm like you. It's like um, uh, Amy Poehler and uh, Mean Girls. Yep. I'm the cool mom. <laughs> oh you guys can drink. God. You guys can drink when I'm around. Just don't tell your parents. 
Wasn't Rachel McAdams 30 when she made that movie? I don't know. That makes me feel better about... It was almost like a Grease situation where she was way too old to be in a high school movie. That makes me feel better about things I thought about when I saw those scenes. Anyway. We're not going to talk about that right now. I'm going to think about it. Hang on. (sighs) I'm sorry. I apologize. She was 25. Oh, that's fine. I was close to that then, maybe. I don't know. All right. How old are you now? 42. She's forty two she's forty one, so you're good. Perfect. I don't even have to do the math justification. Yeah. The your age divided by two plus seven. That's the rule. You know that, I, right? I'm no. That's the minimum age of a girl you can date. I didn't know that. Yeah. Your I age learned divided... all sorts of things <laughs> on this show. Yeah. Woo. So for me, it's twenty eight. Your age, forty two, divided by two is twenty one plus seven is twenty eight. That's the youngest girl I, I, I can date. I was told there'd be no math. Well, I did it for you. I appreciate it. I'm not 42, by the way. I know you're not. How old are you? 34. 34 divided by 2 is 17 plus 8, 25. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Enjoy. uh, I'm sure my wife will be really happy to hear that. She doesn't have to know about it. (laughs) She doesn't listen to this show. It's fine. Exactly. And oh my God! I don't think what anyone. What are we even doing? Are we still recording? Is this actually like a podcast right now? The Blackhawks are not good. (laughs) <laughs> and they don't play again until Tuesday. <laughs> We've got some spots to fill. They're 20, 20, and 6. I don't remember who they play on Tuesday. Do they play Ottawa? Oh, yeah. Is that right? Another Eastern Conference powerhouse. Oh, my God. The 16, 22, and 7 Ottawa Senators. They're minus 33 in gold differential. Which means they're going to win 5-1. to one. They're 5, 15, and 4 on the road, but they're 11, 7, and 3 at home. Look out, Chicago. You have to what go arena to do they play in, by the way? Is it still the Canadian Tire Center? I don't know, but it's in Canada. That's a wow. Confirmed. That is breaking news <laughs> there. All right. We should wrap this podcast up before everyone unsubscribes. We should have probably wrapped up ten minutes ago. That's all right. We're having fun. If you can't if you don't laugh, you'll cry. That's what I say. <laughs> all right. By the way, Detroit minus seventy five in gold differential. Thanks for listening. Hello, well. <laughs> to the Madhouse Chicago hockey podcast. We apologize for getting a little slappy, but it's been a crazy week for me. And uh, thanks for James for tolerating me and for all the patience and everything. But check out our friends at Triple Threat Sports for all your team outfitting needs. Call Chris, 708-478-6090. Go get a poor boy at Mariska's, 604 Theodore Street in Crest Hill. Family owned and operated since 1933. Go to the Barrel Club. Join their Barrel of the Club, their uh, Spirit of the Month Club at BarrelClubIllinois.com. And, of course, Chuck Southern Comforts Cafe, Burbank, Darien. Get yourself a cobbler chuckscafe.com we will talk to you very very soon on the next and much more serious madhouse chicago hockey podcast Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous walrus, the bulbous walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl and a foul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.